On this episode of the Nesson Celtics podcast, we give our takes on the NBA All-Star game, dissect the potential pitfalls around Jalen Brown's knee issue. Plus, we tell you if the C's should buy or sell as the NBA trade deadline approaches. Welcome back to the Nesson Celtics podcast. Took a little vacation last week. We needed it. The Celtics certainly do too. Fortunately, the All-Star break's coming up for them. But uh, last few games, we had Heartbreaker versus the Mavs, ugly loss to the Hawks, went over the Pacers that started looking promising, and then another nail-biter win over the Wizards. And things are looking up over here. How about for you guys? Adam, Dakota, how are we doing? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, the team stinks. It's not looking up for me. I think the Celtics suck. I think they're going nowhere. And uh, time to do a soft rebuild, but we'll get into that later. Yeah, I'm doing well uh, as well. I, I'm, I don't want to bury them completely just because, like, it's like that thing, like, right when they think I'm out, they reel me back in. Like, there's still these little glimmers where you think maybe they can come around. Uh, haven't seen it yet consistently, but uh, I'm still happy not at the verge of burying them quite yet. I think I'm with you there, Adam, um, especially two wins in a row. Haven't seen that in a minute. So let's get into the positives first. Um, a Adam, lot of minutes, by the way, like a month. Back-to-back games. PU, this team stinks. <laughs> All right, Dak, I'm going to get to Adam first for these positives because I don't know if you're going to have any. Uh, so my positive is is uh, Massachusetts is moving along with its reopening plan, which means the Celtics now will have uh, the opportunity to have a limited number of fans at TD Garden beginning on March 22nd. Um, following that March 22nd date, they'll have the 16 of those 30 games they have and the remaining of the regular season there will be in Boston. We've mentioned it so many times the past couple episodes that there are some players on this team we think that could really benefit from a little fan-inspired juice like Tristan Thompson, Kemba. So it's not going to be a ton of fans, you know, obviously, but I think just having that little bit of support will help a couple guys and hopefully the team as a whole. Yeah, looking forward to it because this team needs to get booed immediately. Uh, so I, too, am looking forward to fans. Uh, for, for my positive – I do have one. Uh, it's not all bad. Listen, Jalen Brown, we, we like Jalen Brown here at the podcast. Uh, we acknowledge Jason Tatum is a talented, though flawed player. Uh, so, you know, I want to stick with Tatum for my, my big positive of the past week was the way he finished that game against the Washington Wizards. Uh, you know, in case, you know, you know, for any of you who understandably decided to not watch it because the Celtics are almost unwatchable, uh, you know, the, the Celtics were trailing, I don't know, what was it, five or six points within the last couple minutes. Um, but even beyond that, within the last four or five, um, Tatum basically put the team on his shoulders. And instead of just settling for step backs or three pointers or what he normally does down the stretch of games. And, um, you know, I, in, as a side note, I saw a stat, uh, a graphic recently that showed his, his numbers in clutch situations uh, since entering the NBA bubble in the fall. And they're not good. Uh, but I think he's been doing a little bit better in that regard recently. And I thought this was really one of his most impressive clutch performances, because, again, all the points he was scoring were driving to the basket, finishing high above the rim or finishing with, you know, not settling for just getting fouled and flailing his arms up, actually finishing through the contact, even though maybe a couple of times you could say he should have gotten the foul call, though he didn't. He didn't, you know, just go up there looking to get to the line. He actually 
you know, scored. And uh, I just thought it was good to see that instead of just doing what he has done too often in these games, uh, he was assertive and aggressive and, and he willed that team to victory versus just settling for a bunch of jump shots. And um, I think if Jason Tatum plays that way more often, um, you know, I think the Celtics will be better for it. Yeah, um, that's a great point, especially because it's something we hadn't really seen out of Tatum in a little while. I know he he's been very open and honest about COVID and how he kind of feels a little bit of a setback, especially cardiovascularly out there. But um, when he's just decisive like that at the end of games, they really can do so much. And it was really just, it's really just a matter of, like you said, him being super decisive and assertive at the end of games. Well, and I think too, when when he came up, one of the things everybody said was, you know, he reminds us a lot about Paul Pierce. He's able to score in so many different ways. Um, This is back when he didn't necessarily have a, you know, really awesome for lack of term body or this huge athletic frame. He's put on a ton of weight and a lot of strength since his rookie season. But back then he really had to rely on leaning into guys, getting these angles, finding ways to slide under defenders, finishing awkwardly at the rim, all these other, all this kind of stuff that made his game so unique uh, and, and gave him such a wide, you know, a wide variety of ways to score. Uh, but too often lately he'd settled for jump shots. And I just, I just thought that limited him and, and seeing this game, the way he did it at the end just reminds you that when he wants to drive to the hole, I mean, he's capable of finishing as well as anybody at the rim because he's got so many, so many tricks in his bag, so to speak. And, um, you know, I just think too often he settles for the easy way out. And I, I, I didn't go back and watch, uh, I, I probably should have, but I, I really think it was like his last six, uh, the last six times he scored were all driving to the basket. There were no jump shots. So I liked it. Yeah. I would say that I'm really encouraged by Kemba Walker finally really looking like himself consistently again. Um, I saw a stat courtesy of Brian Robb over at Mass Live that in his last eight games, Kemba's averaged 22.4 points per game. He's shooting 43.7% from the field, 40.8% from three, um, 94% at the line. He's a plus 7.9. Um, he's been playing really well lately, but I think that that Pacers game that was my first game back from vacation and I'm covering this and they get into like what was it an 18-4 hole and I'm like you've got to be kidding me like just I'm at the point so frustrated with this team that I'm like blow it up like there's no way they win this game and Brad Stevens calls a timeout and Kemba Walker just like came out of that break just like a new person and was just really willed them to victory, really kept them in that game the entire time against the Pacers. And um, it's great to see, because clearly they've really needed that input. Yeah, it, it, it I mean, it's, it's really important for them. If they're going to go anywhere this season, they need Kemba Walker to be something close to a legitimate third piece of a big three. I have my doubts that he can do it, especially with his limitations on defense, but I will, I will concede that the, the last few games have been encouraging. And one thing I'll add on Kemba, I've seen a lot of Celtics fans um, getting on Kemba during the recent skid just because the guy never seems to waver from happiness. And I think a lot of fans think that he like doesn't care about them losing or playing poorly because he's still smiling or whatever. I think that's probably the wrong way to look at it. I mean, there's so many things to be disappointed about with this team. And the fact that you can, you know, turn to one guy who happens to be a guy with, you know, you know, laundry list of accolades, you know, came to Boston with some pedigree, 
and he's still keeping this upbeat attitude and positivity. I mean, I think that should be embraced rather than looked down on. I agree, especially when you look at um, the fact that he's successing Kyrie, who was not really at all that type of person. And I mean, that's also not fair to say about Kemba too, because when they went through that stretch, I think it was two weeks ago on the the tail end of that West Coast road trip. Kemba, I was in those post-game pressers every night and Kemba was not, there was not a smile to be found. He was very open about being in a mental funk and not being himself, not being that like really optimistic guy trying to lift everyone up and making a point that he needed to shake that mentally. Yeah, and of that same note, I mean, you, you see just across sports, athletes, coaches, owners, you know, just kind of doing the runaround when it comes to being, you know, critical or whatever. And I feel like the Celtics, to their credit, from top to bottom, have handled this poor stretch pretty head on, whether it be Wick Grosbeck, Danny Ainge, Stevens, players, like none of them are really shying away from the fact that they're playing terribly. Um, it's obviously tough that no one really seems to have a pinpoint answer for any of the more prominent struggles. But at a minimum, it's not like they're hiding from anything and acting like, you know, everything's fine and dandy. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah. They're a hundred percent accountable from literally top to bottom. And also, I mean, how many other teams would have a losing streak like that and just crack and get on each other and just like the you know the NBA, like just the drama that gets out and the leaks. But I mean, Jeff Teague kind of mentioned this, I think after the Wizards game, and Kemba affirmed it that like these losses have really brought them together and it's nice to see them bending and not breaking from a locker room standpoint oh we'll see <laughs> i remember what happened in the bubble so, they're going on vacation though yeah, they need you know, it give them time we got what well, we got a game against the clippers tonight then a game against the raptors then we then they come out of the all-star break with games against the nets at the rockets and home against the jazz they could be three games under 500 before we know it and then we'll see if they break or if they stick together well, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And oh, you know will. what, Dakota, I feel like I feel like you're antsy to go off about these negatives. So I'm going to let you go first. Uh, I don't, I mean, yeah, it's hard, right? Because it's easy to, ne- to be negative about all of it. But I just think generally, sort of big picture, I think it's just a bummer that the Celtics aren't very good. I mean, this is a team that what, made the Eastern Conference Finals three of the past four seasons. Um, and I think we've just become accustomed to them being looking at the Celtics and saying they're really close to being a championship contender. We could see them getting to the finals this year if things break a certain way. And uh, I mean, unless something totally changes the season and I don't see it happening, just like it's clear that this isn't going to be the year and it's going to take a pretty significant change during the off season for them to get to that point. And it's a bummer. And I mean, you don't have to take our, my word for that. I mean, Danny Ainge has said as much, said as much. What Grossbeck is telling you the same thing. The Celtics are telling you that they don't think they're good enough. And it's because they know they're not good enough. And it's because they just don't have the talent to do it. And I just think in general, that's a bummer. I mean, that sucks because listen, being in Boston, being in Boston covering sports here, we all want these teams to be good. We all want them to be championship caliber. And we look at the Celtics and think, you know, you were, you were there. And some of it is through no faults of their own. The stuff with Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and the way all that happened was tough. I think Ainge deserves some of the blame. Some of it was sort of out of his hands, but regardless, I think at this point, we, we, you know, I don't think anybody thought the Celtics would be an average, you know, to, you know, just a middling NBA team. The reality is they're five back in the loss column of being, uh, you know, for having the fifth best odds in the lottery or being the, or having the fifth worst record in the NBA. They're only five games back in the loss column for that. That's, that's scary. 
Uh, you know, I think Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are good. Are they so good or is their room for improvement so great that they alone can get the Celtics to the next level? I don't know. It's going to have to be a significant addition during the offseason by a trade or free agency. And I just don't, I don't know if they'll be able to do it. And uh, so just the reality of that for me is, is my main negative right now. And my negative kind of piggybacks off decks and that, all right, let's just call a spade a spade and realize the Celtics aren't, you know, of the upper echelon of the NBA. You know, they're still not, they shouldn't be, you know, cellar dwellers with like a couple of these other garbage teams. So at a minimum, they should at least be able to take care of business against some of these bad teams or teams that are just dysfunctional. And they haven't been able to do that. I mean, they had to really grind out a game against one of the more dysfunctional teams in the Wizards that have no sense of direction. It's just kind of like how competitive can Bradley Beal make us? They made oh, so good too. He's so fun to watch. They made the Atlanta Hawks look like the 73 and nine warriors the other night. I mean, that was just absurd. So this team needs to realize that they need to pick up the wins when they can get them. You know, no one's expecting them to really, you know, blow out, you know, the Sixers or the jazz or, you know, the Bucks or whatever, like, they need to pick up wins over these bottom teams if they want to be, you know, in the playoffs. Because now we're actually looking at the possibility that they're going to miss out, which is would be completely unacceptable. I guess all of our negatives are just piggybacking off each other today because kind of where you're talking about closing out close games, one thing I'm noticing, especially so in the Wizards, is these guys just, like, can't seem to play defense sometimes without fouling. Yeah. Um, I Let me – I think, yeah, so they're averaging 20 personal fouls a game as a team uh, against the Wizards. How many did they give up? It was like 29, I think, um, free throws. So, I mean, 29 free throws, that's the difference in a close game, right? Like you, you defend a little better than that and don't get reckless in the paint. And I don't know. It's just so frustrating to watch this team play defense sometimes. And I do think, I do think that's a buy. If I'm going to give them any break, um, and I agree with you, just in general, the team defense and the pension for fouling is a problem. I do think a lot of that is players like Trey Young or Bradley Beal getting downhill and getting to the basket and getting fouled when I do think Marcus Smart would make a bit of a difference in those areas, not for the whole game and not in all situations, but it, it's those types of things that I think you really feel the loss of Marcus Smart. Oh, really? This is yeah, this is no, Dakota Randall talking still, about Marcus <laughs> I'm, I don't I don't don't get it twisted. I am still down on Marcus Smart. Don't get it twisted. How, did how'd you like Brad Stevens' comments? Um, it, it was probably like last week or the week before now, but just when he was finally talking post game about them missing Smart and him just being like anyone that watches basketball and knows basketball, I, I just was like, I hope I hope Dak doesn't feel like personally attacked right now. No, it's it's fine. I've <laughs> I, I've done this enough, and. I've made I've made my 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 stance very clear on Marcus Smart. So I I disagree, Brad. I disagree. <laughs> so um, I do have one more negative. I guess um, I guess the fouling is more something that I I want to yell about, which we'll get to you guys is next. But um, a a small concern for me is Jalen's knee, like playing through tendonitis, um, his usage this season really building up that soreness and it just like it, it just reminds me of last year when Kemba's knee was bothering him and then he went into the all-star break and was just never the same 
but it's like, what do you want Jalen to do? Not play in the all-star game for the first time in his career in his hometown. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know if I should be concerned about that yet, but it's not great. And I hope that doesn't turn into something bigger. Well, I think especially when it's just general knee soreness, um, that always worries me because and I don't know the detail, details of what he's dealing with, but I just, it always makes me think like, well, you know, is there like some arthritis going on? Is there, is this the kind of thing that's going to linger around for a while? Um, who knows, right? So it's just something to keep an eye on. I mean, what, Jalen Brown's 20, was he 23? 24. Like that. So like, I don't think it's something to be concerned about right now, but for a player who, you know, really relies on his athleticism as much as Jalen Brown um, and his ability to finish high above the rim, it's, it's something, you know, I think should at least be on your radar. So. especially if how they've been playing with resting guys and being um, really conservative with these guys that are dealing with injuries. It's it's if they have to continue to do that and continue to rest Jalen throughout the season, it's just, are we ever going to see like what this team actually, we still haven't seen this full roster all together. Like I feel like th that's been the case for like four years now. I know. Right. It's just per the perpetual hospital Celtics, but this year more so than ever, I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's the pandemic or, Maybe it's just, all right. What do you guys uh, have to yell about today in honor of Tommy Heinsohn? Okay. Uh, well, you kind of got to start it, but I'm talking about the refs are sort of tangentially. Um, and this is something people complain about all, all the time, uh, rightfully so with the excessive use of replays and going to the little TV to, you know, the referees going to the TV to review something at any point in the game, but especially late in the game. And again, I, I don't want to go on too long because this has been talked about ad nauseum, but I mean, that thing the, at the end of the, of the Wizards game where Bradley Beal stepped out of bounds and it was clear from the first replay, the first look we got, we got, it was obvious. And regard, nevertheless, the ref stood at the TV and stared at it for like two and a half, three minutes. And it just sucks the whole life out of everything. And it happens all the time. They go there for anything to look to see if some guy inadvertently scraped another player on the forehead, thus necessitating a flagrant two foul or something, or just all this kind of stuff. And I, I don't know, I'm just like near a breaking point with the review where it just, it, it completely ruins the flow of the game. And I, it, it didn't hurt the Celtics because on the very, when they got, when the play resumed, J, Jason Tatum got the game winner, but in, in a lot of those spots, it, it ruins the flow of the game. I can think it can hurt a team's momentum um, and unnecessarily. So, I mean, if it's a real tough replay, that's one thing, but at the same time, I've always thought if you can't tell right away, it's probably not worth reviewing. So I don't know. It's just, it was just the latest example of these overlong replays. And uh, it's just, they're exhausting and it's just it's we've just completely jumped the shark with them and I'm not sure if we're ever going to go back and uh that, that worries me yeah I mean I I remain impressed by the way NBA games managed to stretch out the final like minute 39 of a basketball game which is really translate to like 19 minutes in NBA time uh speaking of too many minutes uh that's my yell about something for um we just need to not play Jeff Teague that much anymore because he stinks. Um, mostly that's the biggest reason. He's just not good. Um, given where the, the juncture they're at the Celtics are at right now, I would rather just see Stevens divide, like divvy up those minutes between uh, Pritchard, who's proven his worth. He can handle those minutes. And Neesmith, who out of the very minimum, he plays hard. He tries very hard on defense, which I think has been one of the bigger issues for the Celtics is you constantly see them lagging, you know, specifically in transition. 
So I'm like, might as well yet let the young guys play. We've get like, there's, we've seen too much from Teague now that I don't think he's going to turn things around. I think this is just, he is what he is at this stage of his career. So, I mean, we've said it plenty of times now, but just give the minutes to the young guys. Yeah. I mean, in fairness to him, he's, he's been having like a few good like games, I guess, as of late, I don't particularly love his game to begin with. I never really have, but I mean, they really are probably, I think that's one of Brad Stevens' biggest challenges this year is just dividing up these minutes. And I think the bigger issue with dividing up minutes is just between the three centers when you you're starting to see Rob Williams kind of really flourish and Tice with Kemba back is, is really playing well. Again, they work so well off each other. And like, Tristan's been playing great, but it's just, he's like, not really, I don't know. It's just, I, I feel for Brad Stevens having to divvy up these minutes between these centers, because I mean, Robert, who knew he was going to show this much growth and potential this year, but um, it's definitely a challenge for sure. And I guess that's a good segue into the next segment on the NBA trade deadlines coming up on March 25th. How are you guys feeling? Buy or sell? Uh, or stay put? Uh, it's tough because at the same time, you know, I just mentioned how the Celtics are only five games out of the loss column for the first, fifth worst record in the NBA. They also are only, uh, let me look real quick, a game out of fourth place. The Knicks are in fourth place. Um, talk about Tom Thibodeau, coach of the year. But again, so they're only one game out of fourth place. Um, and so if you, if you end the season there, you get the heat in the first round. I mean, I think a lot of people would pick the heat over the Celtics in that series. Um, again, this is all the season ended today, but regardless, you're the higher seed. Let's say you beat the heat in the first round and then you face the Sixers in the second round. And again, the Sixers are, have been the, the best team in the East this year, but I also think there's still a lot of softness on that team. I know Doc Rivers has changed a lot, but I still don't like that team at all. I don't like Ben Simmons as a player and it wouldn't shock me at all. Uh, if the Celtics found a way to beat the Sixers in that series. And then, you know, and then if you're in the conference finals, you get waxed by either the Nets or the Bucks or whoever it is. Um, but so I, I do see a path for them to having another relevant season. Um, but I just, I think they're telling you, they don't think they're good enough to go beyond that. I don't think they're good enough to go beyond that. So I'm definitely not buying. Um, and I don't really think you have anything to sell other than Kemba Walker. And I don't think anybody wants him. So I'm standing pat unless there's an obvious move for a player like Thaddeus Young, where all you got to do is give up like Javante Green and a second round pick or something. I don't know. Like that, that kind of move. Sure. Um, but not much more than that. Yeah. I know this is probably lame in today's climate where you have to say something extreme on one side or the other, but I think I'm team stay put as well. Like, you could argue this team is one piece away, but that piece would probably have to be a huge piece. And you're not getting at that at the deadline just because one, they're probably not available. And two, you don't really have the assets to make that big of a trade. And like the thing that Dak just mentioned, like giving off Javante Green in a draft pick, you know, for Joe Schmo, it's like, that young is not Joe Schmo. Well, I'm just saying like, just like, Come on. I'm just saying, pick your name. Like there's so many Thaddeus Youngs in the league. No, right. I know. I know. He's, he's not exactly like a rare piece. So I feel like that's almost just doing something for the sake of doing something where you're like, hey, look, fans, like we know we're not good. So we're making a trade to try to make things better. And then there it's just like, well, now you're just potentially interrupting flow or whatever. So I just I don't, at this point, it's like 
like Dak mentioned, I think this team has enough talent where they could surprise. And if they don't, they'll flounder and get a better draft pick. So with the idea that there's no chance they can actually reach the NBA finals, I don't really see the point of making a move. It's just might as well just ride it out. We're so boring because I'm with you guys. Um, I don't think there's really one guy out there that's going to take this team to the finals. And I mean, quite frankly, like we mentioned a little bit before, you don't even know what this team looks like altogether. So to kind of break it up, it just seems like the deadline's a little premature in terms of what we've actually seen from this group as a collective. So I think just waiting till the off season's the move to use that TPE for sure. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm with you. Before we wrap up, let's get into some around the NBA stuff. Adam, what stood out to you this week? Uh, yeah, I just, Zlatan Ibrahimovic just needs to shut up. Um, yeah, like, just, I mean, we've come so far just as a society where athletes, not just athletes, but the ones at the height of their sport are using their platform to speak out against changes that need to be made. And for Zlatan, who's, you know, we don't really realize it because, you know, being in the States, but, you know, one of the faces of soccer is just coming out and saying that, uh, or saying that LeBron should just not speak about politics or basically anything besides basketball is asinine. I mean, like LeBron said in his clapback, he's a guy that does his homework. He doesn't just fly off the hip. He knows what he's talking about. And he usually strays away from stuff that he doesn't know what, what he's talking about. Um, so I feel like Zlatan just, you know, one, it's a tired old argument and two, you know, pick your battles better. Especially considering Zlatan has been very public about the alleged racism he has faced because he doesn't have a Swedish last name. So yeah, I love LeBron calling out that hypocrisy there. Um, so I don't want to go too far down the political rabbit hole here, but I do agree with Adam that uh, Zlatan should shut up. And like, I, I disagree with him. Like athletes can certainly speak politically. I mean, geez, if I, if I, or you can go on Facebook or anyone from our hometown can go on Facebook and yell about politics, why can't an athlete? It's totally fine. But at the same time, uh, when people say that, I don't want to hear it from LeBron James when he's totally silent on things that happen in China because it's not in the NBA's financial interest to speak ill of China and the human rights atrocities atrocities that happen there and some of the genocides and detention camps. Uh, that's People always say, well, that's just a conservative talking point, and it is to a certain degree, but it's also true that I think LeBron James loses the benefit of the doubt in some regards because he's selective and he doesn't say anything about that stuff because they really don't let you do it in the NBA. So, I mean, I think... People that, that criticize LeBron James for that, I think are totally in the right. But I also agree with what Adam said, that LeBron James has every right to speak out on social issues and things that need changing or politics in general, because everybody has the right to, because we live in a free society and we all can have our opinions and you shouldn't have to shut up because you're, it's not your profession. Um, we all have the right to vote. None of us are political science majors. Um, but at the same time, you know, there is a hypocrisy with LeBron James that should be called out. He's not you know, free of criticism on this topic. I think that's fair to say, because of course, anyone criticizing what was going on with China and Hong Kong, I mean, it's it's hard to not criticize China and then go forward and have all the push for civil rights here in the country. But I don't know if you can really pin that all on LeBron or if it's more the NBA kind of keeping him at bay and making sure 
I don't Although, know. But it's like if you we could do a whole episode on yeah, we we could do a whole episode on this alone, right? So so that was that's one thing from around the NBA I wanted to get to with the other. Um, and we're just finding this out now uh, via I think Chris Haynes, Chris Hayes of uh, Yahoo Sports, that Zion is not going to participate in the dunk contest. Uh, weak, soft, just I, I hate how LeBron ducked this thing for his whole career, and uh, now it looks like Zion's going to do it too. I mean. I don't know. I'll have to see his rationale for it, but it's like, good God, let's get the best, the best and brightest in the game. If we're going to have this stupid all-star weekend that we don't need, can we at least get the best, the best dunkers in the dunk contest? And for Zion Williamson to duck out of it, we all, he's the only one we want to see him and like a couple other guys are all we want to see. I don't understand why it's such a big ask. Uh, it, it blows me away. I, I don't, I don't understand it. And uh, I think it sucks that he's not going to do it. And it's stupid. And if, if the, I cannot, and, and LeBron is definitely going to go his whole career without doing it too. And I'm sorry, th- that is a legitimate criticism. I don't understand. People want to let him off the hook for that and say, hey, it's just a dunk contest. Who cares? No, 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 no. Yeah, it, it, it's weak. And for, for all these, for playing a game where I understand that he's given a lot to the game, but you're also in that position because fans and media and everybody, you know, care so much about the sport and make it possible for you to make millions of dollars, you know, like give us something, give us a little extra, go in the dunk contest. I don't, you know, I, I just don't, I, I can't, I don't think there's any good argument against it. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I don't know if we'll ever have like the, the dunk contests of like what probably we had growing up with guys in the modern day NBA. But I mean, on the other end of the spectrum, Jalen Brown also turned it down. That's a guy I would have loved to see in the dunk contest, oh, but right. Too. Right. But definitely the right move with what he's going, what's going on with his knee right now. And yeah. that, that's, um, yeah, that's a good, re- a good, a good excuse. And yeah. And maybe you know, something comes out with Zion and that's the deal. But um, for now I'm with you, but I mean, one thing I wanted to bring up I guess and um, I'll note that Adam had to leave us so it's just gonna it's just Dak and I now but I'm wondering how you feel about even having this all-star game to begin with with everything that's going on this season and the NBA telling these guys that they need to be quarantined in hotel rooms for entire road trips and then they're like okay but we got to make money in Atlanta so come play in the all-star game uh yeah it's stupid for, for the reasons you just said it makes no sense um I just you know, I, I do, uh, on one hand, you know, I've heard p- players say, like LeBron say, uh, this is an event for the fans. And if there, if there aren't going to be any in the stands, why are we even doing it? And again, to that, I say, it's, you know, far more people are watching it at home than in person. Okay. So that's not totally the point. You know, the bigger argument against it is like you said, I mean, you got all these people now flying in from dar- various parts of the country. Um, and it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, I know number COVID numbers are going down across the country and we seem to be heading in the right direction, but that doesn't mean we just need to start flying like a hundred different people in from various points in the country and stuffing them into an arena in Atlanta um, for a game that, listen, we all know how that, how that game goes. Like for the first, like 85% of that game, no one tries, no one cares. They turn it on at the end. Hey, I've well, never... <laughs> yeah. on the contrary, if there's no defense being played, then maybe it'll be harder for them to spread COVID to each other. <laughs> that's one way to look at it sure yeah definitely uh so yeah i just it's it's not an essential product like i don't i don't care about the nba all-star game i mean the dunk contest maybe if i'm awake if i make it that far i watch it but otherwise like i think we all can live without it for a year 
Um, a lot, so yeah, I'm, uh, I don't see why we have to do it. Well, all. it'll be really interesting to see how it goes, how the COVID numbers kind of result after that. But yeah, so we'll wrap up right there. The Celtics have the Clippers tonight and Toronto between them and the all-star break, which they so desperately need. Yes. We'll see if we can close out those last two games and we'll be back next episode to reevaluate everything we said here today. But um, thanks so much for tuning in today, guys. Um, we'll be back with another episode for you next week. Um, download the podcast. Leave us a rating if you enjoyed it. Subscribe. We appreciate it. And we'll see you soon. Bye.